Uh, it's good to see all of you here. I noticed some visitors for benefit uh, those that don't know me. My name is Pastor Dennis Lewis, and I've been the pastor here for the past four years. By God's grace, I might add. Um, when I started, uh, the pandemic happened. I thought for sure that was God's plague um, on, on the world because I decided to, to uproot my family from Pensacola. But God has been gracious and good, and we thank him so much for bringing us here. Um, and, and the ministry that he's allowed us to have here, both from, from being here and uh, having the opportunity to shepherd you all, and then, of course, the blessing you all have been to my family. And so I thank you so much for that. All right, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through 21 is going to be our focus. Last week, we looked at um, chapter 5, verse 3, down to verse number 14. And we, we sort of took, take a, took a look at the reality that God wants us to be a pure people. And, and if we're going to be light in the world, if we're going to have the fragrance and the aroma of Christ, we need to um, not only be pure, but also shine as lights in the world. And so now we're, we're going to, uh, Paul makes a little shift, and we're going to look at that shift. And we're actually going to spend quite a bit of time on this over the next few weeks. Here now the reading of God's holy word. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning at verse number 15, and we'll read to verse number 21. Look carefully then how you walk, not as wise, but as unwise. Uh, not as unwise, but as wise. I'm sorry. My goodness. <laughs> Woo! I'm so glad this wasn't like back in the, in, you know, the Middle Ages when uh, only the priest had the word of God and he would give it to the people. Um, that'd be awful. That'd be awful. So glad you guys have the word of God. Let me start over. So I'm clear. So I'm clear. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. All flesh is as grass and the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord shall endure forever. And this is the word that will be proclaimed unto you. Amen and amen. Let's go to our Lord in prayer. Father, indeed, we thank you for your holy and inspired and inerrant word. Thank you that you've given it to your people for all that is good and right and holy. Holy Spirit, come now and be with your people. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Awaken us to... Um, your word and what it says, and may we walk out complete and whole because of it. Bless us now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, over the next uh, few weeks, we're going to be looking at what does it mean to be a spirit-filled church? What does it mean for us to be filled with the Spirit of God? That's what we're going to look at. Now, calm down. I know where I'm at. I know my audience. This is a Presbyterian church. 
Whenever we start talking about the Holy Spirit, Presbyterians get nervous. But um, I don't want you to get nervous. Exact, the exact opposite. I want you to listen, and, and I hope that at the end of this, what you walk away realizing is that the Holy Spirit was given by God to be a help to you, to be a blessing to you, and to be a joy in your life. When I was growing up, I grew up um, around a bunch of Pentecostals, uh, which was awesome. And um, the Pentecostals Church of God, and to them, being filled with the Holy Spirit was all about the excitement and joy of being in God's presence. And, and by the way, that's awesome, right? N nothing wrong with that. In fact, I, I learned so much about worship and expression in worship from them. And, and, but, but to some degree, it, it was all focused on emotionalism. It was all kind of focused on the outward expression of that. Um, then I came over to the Presbyterian Church, right? Love my people. By the way, I'm a Presbyterian minister. I always tell people I, 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 I chose, I planted my flag here, right? When I came here, though, the, the whole reality of being filled with the Spirit had to do more with, with uh, you know, the banner under uh, doing things decently and in order. That's us, right? Our worship is done decently in order. We, we go about our Christian life in decency and order. That's the emphasis. And again, nothing wrong with that, because that is, uh, that is one of the realities of being spirit-filled. By the way, Paul says in verse number 18 here, be not drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. If you've ever been around drunk people, they are disorderly, Right? And so Paul is telling us something here that one of the realities of being filled with the Spirit is that we do things decently and in order, and that's good. So it's not one or the other. It's actually both, and it's actually in this passage. If you notice in verse 15 and in verse 17, Paul says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Well, what, what is that talking about? That's talking about when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you, you act wisely and you act orderly. But then it says in verse number um, 19 and 20, that another characteristic when the Holy Spirit, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, is that you break forth in effusive praise that there's a joy about you and an excitement about you that's infectious. Um, I, I was in a, a Reformed church one time, and um, I happened to be preaching, and somebody said, Amen. And everyone whipped around and looked at him as if something was wrong. And I wanted to say, there's nothing wrong with somebody. If, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to them and the Word of God is speaking to them, nothing wrong with somebody saying, Amen. There's nothing wrong with somebody raising their hand in worship if the Holy Spirit has gotten a hold of their heart. Nothing wrong with them expressing praise to God. Because in this passage, that's the expectation. And that's why I named uh, the, this sort of like uh, this sermon, but some of the sermons coming back. That's why I named it to be filled with heaven. Because if you look at Revelation the book of Revelation, and you look at the worship in Revelation, what do you see? 
Yes, you see decency and an order. You see everyone around the throne. But you also see something else. You see people praising God and excited about being there. And if we are going to be a spirit-filled church, if we're going to be a spirit-filled people, we can't be frozen and, you know, the frozen chosen. We have to be people who show out the glory and power of God because we've been changed. Listen to me for a moment. If you have heaven residing in you, don't you think that's going to come out? If you have the glory of heaven inside of you, that's what I'm talking about. That's what the Holy Spirit is. Jesus says, when I leave, I will send another comforter. By the way, when he says another comforter, he doesn't mean another of a different kind. He means another of the same kind. In other words, I'm going to send God. And when he comes, he will come to comfort you. The word comfort there, it doesn't mean to snuggle you. But it means to strengthen you and give you power so you can live the Christian life. So what he said in essence is, I'm going to send heaven into your soul. And if that's what happens, then, beloved, we can't be the same. We can't live the same. We can't act the same. There's no way that can happen if heaven is inside of you. It will come out. Just like how, you know, if you've ever, you know how hard it is to pretend to be uh, not drunk when you are? Don't ask me how I know that. But um, I wasn't always as sanctified as I am now. There there was a time in my life where, where, you know, I I wasn't where I needed to be. And I'm not proud of it. But but I remember one time going home and trying to pretend not to be drunk. And my mother looked at me, and she knew. I couldn't hide it from her. It was all over me. And, and, you know, I tried to spray stuff in my mouth and eat a mint every now and then. But none of it worked. Because, you see, and this is the beauty of this illustration, when you are drunk with wine, everybody realizes it. And so it is with being filled with the Spirit. You can't hide it. It should come out. It begs to come out. Because you're filled with another kind of power. And so, beloved, I'm not, don't, I'm not pitting traditions against each other. The word of God is clear. If you are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, man, you love God's word, you do things decently and in order, but it also comes out in effusive joy. So that's the macro, right? You, you have heaven in you. Act like it. That's, that's the big picture. Now, now I'm going to get into the weeds just a little bit. And, and what I want to do over the next few weeks is I want to look at four things. I, I want to look at why we need to be filled with the, with the Holy Spirit, what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, how, how you get filled with the Holy Spirit, and the signs that you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Those are the four things that we're going to look at. Now, I, I, I'm looking at the time. I might just get to the first one. Why do we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? But if I don't get to the other ones, you've got to come back next week. That's the, you know, I'm going to put you on a the hook there for that, right? So let's look at why we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're taking notes, that's the first one. Um, there, there's so much I could say here, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to keep my comments uh, to, to manageable bites. And the first reason why Paul says we as God's people, why do we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, is found in verse number 16. He says, making the best use of our time 
because the days are evil. Underline the days are evil. Notice Paul doesn't say the days are complicated. He doesn't say the days are hard. He doesn't say the days are confusing. He says the days are evil. We live in an evil days. That's what Paul says. Now, why would Paul say we are living in evil days? Now, again, don't have the time to, to do a biblical theological uh, overview of what the evil days mean. But here's the point. Write this down because this is the point that Paul is saying. Paul is saying we're living in times where the natural means of doing things simply won't work. We need the supernatural means. Paul is saying that there are some things that are going on in our lives, both in his day and now, that the natural ways of doing things, the natural ways of going about doing things just simply won't do. You need to be filled with the Spirit of God. Martin Lloyd-Jones gives a brilliant example of this. He, he's, doing, he's preaching on revival. And, and in Mark 9, he starts talking about um, the, the, the boy who was possessed with a demon. You all remember that story? Like little sketches of the story. But here's how the story works. Martin Lloyd-Jones says that the disciples came and the disciples tried to, to cast out the demon, but they couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. And then Martin Lloyd-Jones says that um, at the end, Jesus had to come and cast out this demon. And at the end of it, they asked Jesus, why couldn't we do it? Why couldn't we cast out this demon? And, and Jesus tells them that this kind can only come out through prayer and fasting, right? And then Martin Lloyd-Jones says this. Because he's a doctor, he makes a statement. He says, the demon is just in too deep. In other words, what Martin Lloyd-Jones is saying is, listen, Jesus is telling them that there are some problems in our lives that are so difficult and so complicated and so hard for us to manage that we simply cannot rely on our own intelligence. We can't rely on money. We can't rely on books. We can't rely on anything else other than the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what's happening in that passage. And that's what Paul is saying here. Now, let me say this. Modern man is perplexed about evil. Every day I look at the news. The presence of evil perplexes the modern man. And it's interesting. You know, if you, if you listen to, to people and what they say about Christianity... It's always the same. They, they'll say, Christianity has a problem with evil. And I say that Christianity doesn't have a problem with evil. The modern man has a problem with evil. Because what do you do with evil? What can the modern man do with evil? The answer to that question is absolutely nothing, because they don't possess the tools to properly deal with evil. And so that's what Paul is saying here. Have you come to the place in your life where you realize that the problems that you face cannot be solved through natural means? Have you awakened to that reality as yet? There's some of you inside here today that are battling depression. And you've gone to a psychiatrist, you've gone, you've taken medication, and all those things are good. Therapy is good. 
little medication is good. But those things in and of themselves Those things in and of themselves suggest that the demon is just in too deep. And there's some of you inside you today that's battling sexual addiction and substance abuse, and you've tried your hardest to get past that, but you can't because the demon's in too deep. Or there's some of you inside you today, you're having a hard time on your job. Or as the text suggests here, as Paul later goes down, uh, as he's talking about the relationship between husband and wife, or, or as he's talking about the relationship between parents and children, or as he's talking about the relationship at work, that sometimes in, in each one of those categories, we have such a difficult time that the normal way of going about things just won't work. You need to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why you need it. Have you come to that place yet to where you've humbled yourself and said, Holy Spirit, I can't do this on my own. I need you to work supernaturally in me in order to do it. Has the Holy Spirit worked in your heart yet to where you realize that the days are evil and business as usual simply will not do? You need to rely on him to help you Forgive, to love, and to move on the way that God has called you to. Are you there yet? Remember, the days are evil. The second thing I want to point out, and the reason why we need the Holy Spirit, is notice what Paul says right before that. He says, making the best use of our time. Underline that because that's important. What is Paul saying here in essence? Paul is saying that we need the power of the Holy Spirit to know how to manage our time well. Now, let me have a family discussion. By that, I mean this. Uh, I'm just going to speak plainly. Everybody I talk to inside here today is busy. Um, Everyone I talk to keeps saying the same thing. Pastor Dennis, I'm so busy. I have so much to do. If you're a parent in here today, you're constantly running around, taking your kids somewhere. You are constantly running around doing all sorts of things. If you're a college student inside here today, you're taking all these classes, you're, you're a part of this, you're doing this. And, and if you're just not any of those categories, even, even like, you know, the grandparents in here today have full schedules because they're taking care of grandkids and trying to do stuff. And then there's some of you, you're teaching over here and you're doing this and you're doing that. I mean, all of us inside here today are busy and we're so busy that what's the one thing we say all the time? Man, I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted because I'm doing too much, Pastor Dennis. I'm exhausted because I'm, I'm involved in this, I'm doing this, I'm working, I'm trying to do this, I'm trying to do that. And here's what Paul is saying. You need the power of the Holy Spirit in order for you to know what's most important. Here's what the Holy Spirit will never do. The Holy Spirit will never cause you to be exhausted. Never. If you, if you are doing so many things that you feel tired and exhausted, here's one thing I could tell you. That's not of the Spirit. It's not. 
The Holy Spirit doesn't tire out his people. The Holy Spirit will never cause you to do more than you need to because the Holy Spirit wants you to be fresh so you can do the work that God has called you to do and do the work that you need to do. And you're sitting inside here today and you're saying, Pastor Dennis, you know life's demanding. And you know that we have to get our children from school and work. You know we have to do all these things. Uh, how is it possible for us not to do these things? Well, well, this is where it takes faith to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. It really does. Let me explain to you what I mean. I, I was sharing with, uh, we had a growth group leaders meeting, and I was sharing with them. Um, and I, I told them, you know, all of us are busy. And all of us inside you today want to be productive. And, and I was sharing with them a, a picture in Revelation chapter 5, verse 18, of, of how the saints collected the prayers of other saints before the throne of God. And they brought it before the throne of God. And, and those prayers were used by God to accomplish his purpose. And I was telling them what's interesting is that in the book of Revelation, one of the things you see is that uh, the Bible calls us to be productive by prayer, reading the word, and taking a Sabbath. But, but here's what our modern minds tell us. They tell us that if we stop to pray, we stop to read uh, the word, and if we stop to, to engage in worship, that we're being unproductive. Prayer is unproductive. Reading the word is unproductive. Coming to worship is unproductive. Some of you are probably sitting down here thinking about all the things you're going to do right after worship. Because that's how we're all, we are. We're all enslaved to the clock and our schedules and our time. And the Bible says what takes faith is for you to say, you know what? You know what redeeming the time really looks like? It's, it doesn't mean getting a better scheduler. It doesn't mean... Uh, uh, you know, program, uh, having the perfect schedule or having the perfect means to, to schedule all the things that we need to do. That's not what it means to redeem the time. What it means to redeem the time is making sure the Holy Spirit is informing what we're supposed to be doing. That's what it means to redeem the time. And praying and asking the Lord to give us direction. I assure you, brothers and sisters, that every prayer you give on behalf of God, every Bible passage you read, every time you come to church, none of it is wasting time. All of it works toward your good, and all of it works towards um, accomplishing the purposes that God has for you. I have a professor who wrote a book on Revelation, and he gave this uh, incredible word. He said, the chemistry that God uses to right the wrongs of the world is a combination of his power and the prayers of the saints. Do you believe that? May we never be too busy to pause and say, Lord, I know I have all these things to do. I know I have all these responsibilities. I know all the things that are pressing in on me. But if I'm going to redeem the time, if I'm going to use my time effectively, I have to start with you. Because it's through the reading of the word, it's through prayer, it's through worship that I am empowered to do and work more effectively for you.
That's what Paul means here. Redeem the time. Now, the third thing I want to tell you of why we need the Holy Spirit is remember that Jesus needed the Holy Spirit while he was on earth. Do you realize that? But by the way, have you ever just thought about that for a moment? Jesus is God. Jesus is God. He has, he has all power. He's, omni, he's omnipotent, right? He's omnipresent. He has all this power, and yet when the Bible says when he was incarnate, he needed the Holy Spirit. Let me give you just a few verses. Isaiah chapter 9, um, it says this. In, in talking about Jesus Christ coming, it says, And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by, his, his, by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. You notice there it's talking about how when the Messiah comes, he will be so governed and filled with the Holy Spirit that he will not rely on his natural abilities. Notice uh, most of you are familiar with Jesus Christ at his baptism in Matthew 3, 13 through 17. The Bible says the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. What does that mean? The empowering presence of the Holy Spirit was on the life of Jesus. In Matthew 4, 1, it says that Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. What does that mean? That we cannot stand up against temptation if we don't have the fullness of the Spirit with us. In Luke 10, 21, this is just an incredible passage. It says that Jesus was filled with joy and the Holy Spirit and began praising the Lord. What does that mean? That we need the power of the Holy Spirit even to praise the Lord. And so what is Scripture trying to tell us? It's trying to tell us, and it's so simple. If Jesus in his life, even though he was God, the Scripture says even Jesus, if he needed the power of the Holy Spirit, how much more do we do? How much more to us? Listen, here in this passage, Paul is clear. He says the time is evil. And he says, in addition, that we need to make best use of the time. Why? Well, um, because, as he says, the days are evil. Now, I want to point out one more thing. Notice in verse number 17, he says, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Why do we need the power of the Holy Spirit? To understand what the will of the Lord is. What does God want us to do? You know, of all the things I do in my life, I can't turn to a passage and say, this is what God wants me to do. I remember um, when Theresa and I uh, had to make a decision to come to CVPC, and, and after the, the session voted on that, and after um, we were scheduled to come, it was, uh, it was in January, and I, I stepped out in my uh, nice plush uh, robe, bathrobe, and I sat at the table and I began to eat breakfast. And I looked at her, I said, honey, I, I don't know why, but I really think the Lord is, is leading us to leave and go uh, early in February. And she looked at me, she's like, well, Dennis, we, we, we're not going to go, we, we're not scheduled to go until June. I said, honey, I don't know why, but I just really feel like the Lord wants us to go in, in February. Now, 
you have to know something about my wife. My wife uh, was born Presbyterian. And, and she's a planner. And she, she does things decently and in order. And this wasn't a part of the plan. And to get her to change course would be like getting a tanker to change course. And I love that about her. But she looked at me and she said, if that's what you feel the Lord wants, then we'll do it. And so she, she mustered uh, her girl squad and they completely uh, redid her home. Um, painted it, got it ready, and I, I continued to work and get other stuff ready. I called uh, 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 Brad Voiles, who was the head of the, of the committee at that time, and others, and I said, hey, can I come early? And he said, yeah, that'd be fine. We'll figure that out. And then, then I couldn't believe it. At the end of January, we had a contract on our house. At the, towards the end of February, we packed up all of our stuff, and we drove all the way down uh, here or up here, and, and, and I preached one sermon, and next thing I know, the world shut down. COVID happened. Now, now I, want, I want to be clear here. I'm not saying I heard a voice. No. I'm not saying Jesus came down and touched me, and I just knew I had to do it. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this. There are some things... That you, that, that you can't look in a book and see what the will of the Lord is. There's some things you can't do that to. But I do believe that the Holy Spirit moves in such a way that if he wants you to do something supernaturally, mystically, and powerfully, he leads you to do it. And when you are obedient, it's only until after that you figure out why. I had no idea why the Lord wanted us to come here in February. And, and let me say this, if the pandemic didn't happen, I didn't need to know. But I do know this. All of you inside you today are facing things where you can't look in a book, you can't phone a friend, you can't actually look at and say, Lord, what is your will in this section, in this, in this moment? Where, where shall I go? You can't do it. Instead, what you need to do is rely that the Holy Spirit is working through you based on his word through prayer and walking alongside of them. Now, brothers and sisters, I don't know what decision you're facing here today. I don't know. But I do know this. One of the reasons why God gives us the Holy Spirit is to lead us and guide us in the midst of those situations. And if we pray to him and we trust him and we read his word, the Bible says that we will know what the will of the Lord is. In other words, he will lead us to them. Now you're trusting him. That's all that time I, I want to devote to this today. Next week, we'll look at what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But I, I want to end with the words of David. One of my favorite Psalms in uh, 51.11, in Psalm 51.11, David says this. Uh, David says, Lord, please don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Why, why did David say that? Because David knows, as well as each and every one of us should know, that it's impossible to live on earth without having a little bit of heaven in you. And you might be sitting here today, and you might be an unbeliever. You don't, you've never experienced the fullness of the Holy Spirit. You've never experienced what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We, we can't even talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit unless you've been born again. 
unless you have the Holy Spirit in you. And you might be a believer inside you today and you you're living off the flesh. You're living off self and you are not trusting in the leading and guiding of the power of the Holy Spirit. God says now is the time. Flesh will not do. Earthly thinking and an earthly mindset will not do. What will happen is when we are filled with heaven and we walk in light of God's word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit is part mystical, but it's clearly laid out in your word. Father, help us. We, we need the Holy Spirit. We need him to, uh, because the days are evil. We need him because uh, we live uh, in a time where we're all busy and we need to know how to use our time wisely. And we need him because we need, absolutely need to know what your will is in every situation. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here. Thank you that you're in us. Now help us to yield to you. In Jesus' name. Amen.